0: Hey, everybody, this is Hunter Howard. I'm the lead pastor of Encounter Church. Here at Encounter Church, our vision is helping people encounter God. And that's what I pray and hope for you today that you will encounter God through this message. Enjoy. Who likes to read God's Word? Yeah? Well, I'm glad that a few of you like to read God's Word. The rest of you are going to read it anyway. How about that? One more good morning and buenos dias to everybody, and man, it is just so good to be in God's house together, right? Isn't it good to be together in God's house? Because that's what we are. No, not this building. This building is not God's house. We are God's house, right? In fact, we're going to take a look at that a little bit more uh, today, and it's always a privilege to share uh, God's word with you. It's, you know... One of my favorite things, it's probably my favorite thing to do, uh, is to be able to share God's word with you. And so I want to remind you, as usual, if you want to follow along with the message today, there's always an outline available for you to follow, okay, as well as your discipleship questions. They're all, it's always available printed there in the box in the back, but even easier on your phone or your tablet or whatever device you use through the Bible app, you can follow the outline In there, and if you don't know how to, we'll ask somebody next to you because they probably do. Cool? As we get started this morning, Acts chapter 6, verse 7 says. That's right. I want to ask if anyone with rapping abilities can come up with a way to rap that so that we could eventually or, or poetically... Remember it, right? Uh, Maybe we'll try next Sunday, all right? All right. So the word of God spread, and the number of the disciples did what? So what happens when the word of God spreads? Disciples multiply. How is it that disciples multiply? Through the spreading of the word of God, right? Very good. And all year our theme has been multiply and our aim is to multiply that that was okay let's try that again all right our aim all year long is to multiply the multiply the culture of Jesus through the words of Jesus and we've been doing that as we read through Jesus words uh, in the gospel of Mark you guys I think we're going to be able to do it I told you at the beginning of the year we're going to read through word for word, chapter by chapter, um, the gospel of Mark, focusing on the words of Jesus. And uh, my, my, my goal is that before the Christmas season gets here, we finish uh, the gospel of Mark. And we've learned so much already reading through Mark. I mean, I'm not going to tell you everything, but we've learned about baptisms, and we've learned about our purpose, and we've learned about... Um, uh, uh, uh being filled with the Holy Spirit, and that's the way we stay free from other stuff, right? And we learned about having right expectations and right attitudes, and we learned about heart matters. And then last Sunday, Pastor Diana taught us about some more heart matters, right? Uh, if, if you've really caught on, the gospel is all about the heart, the heart right? And so today, what we're going to do is try to get through Mark chapter 11, the whole chapter. It's 33 verses. How many of you think we could do it? So just before that, um, we'll see how long this lasts. All right. Before we get to Mark 11, I want to give you three words. Who wants to learn some words in Greek this morning? Yeah. How many of us know the Bible was written in, not in English, right? In fact, today, you may have seen it already, but today marks the, uh, the anniversary of when uh, William Tyndale was martyred for translating the Bible into English. Okay. Did you know that we have the uh, the Bible in English today in so many translations, but when they tried to translate it in English, the guy that took it upon himself to do that, his name was William Tyndale, uh, he was opposed and he was killed because they said it was heresy to translate the Bible into English. How many of us are thankful today for William Tyndale, right? (laughs) Today we have the Word of God in... Almost all the languages in the world now, that's a wonderful thing that's happened uh, over the past few decades. We have as many translations as you can imagine in English, right? Um, But the Bible was written, Old Testament, in Hebrew, and then the New Testament would be written in Greek and Aramaic, right? Mainly uh, in Greek, and so it's very important that we understand when we read in English, it's sometimes important to go back to what those words really mean, right? Specifically today, I want to tell you what the word, word, means. Everybody say word. word. Come on, turn to your neighbor say word. word. Say word up. word up. Word down. No, No, word up. All right. Because when we read the word of God, right? It's important to know what that even means. The Bible talks about itself very often. The Word of God talks about the Word of God. But when you read in God's Word, the word word, you following along? There's actually There are actually three different words for the word word. All right? Are we ready? Come on, I want you to repeat after me. Graphi, logos, rema. Come let's try that again. Graphy, Graphy. Logos, Logos. and Rhema. Rhema. Now, you may want to write this down, okay, so that you can know this for the future, but graphy just simply means the written word, what you see written down, okay? So literally, when you take a pencil or pen or whatever, type it on your tablet, and you write something written, that's graphy. When you read the Bible, you're looking at the graphy, the, the letters, Right? Logos is where we get the word logic from, okay? So logos is the understanding of what we read in God's Word. In other words, this is logos. When you read in in the Bible, it says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge. So this is logos. How do I get uh, wisdom and knowledge? Where do I get it from? The fear of the Lord. Tara understood. That's Logos, right? When you read and you understand. Logos. But then there's another word that's very often used, and it's the word rhema. Everybody say rhema. And rhema is the spoken word. So graphy is written. Logos is in the mind. It's logical. It's understood. But rhema is spoken. And a lot of times, I think, when we read the word of God, we don't realize when the word rhema is used. OK, because God, how many of us know that God didn't only speak his word? He is still speaking his word. That's why the, the, the word says that God's word is alive, active and effective. OK, God's word is alive. He didn't just speak it when he spoke it. He continues to speak it. And maybe you've uh, experienced that God at certain times is speaking certain things right now. Right, okay, and so Rama is what God is saying now. Everybody say now. now. Rama is alive. When Jesus said, "Remember when Jesus was tempted uh, in the wilderness by the devil, and he told him to turn, you know, bread uh, stones into bread and all this kind of stuff," and God, and Jesus told the devil, "No, man or people don't just live off of bread, right? Food, natural food." But this is what he said, but. By every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Not just by what God said, but by what God is saying. That's how we have life. Life, true spiritual life, comes from the ability to hear rhema. To hear what God is saying now, right? And so today, I want to encourage you. The Holy Spirit is speaking and moving today. The Holy Spirit wants to speak from God's word to you now. Not just this is what God said, but this is what God is saying to me. And for different ones of us, it may be distinct, right? Why? Because we're each individually sons and daughters of God, and we're each individually his sheep, and we can all hear His voice, right? Come on, say, I can can. hear the voice of God. You can. And maybe you say, I've never heard the voice of God. You may have and not known that was him. Maybe you haven't. Today you shall. Okay? We're going to hear his voice today. Now, I want to just say this. As we read through, listen, we're going to read the graphic. We're going to understand. But I want to encourage you today, lean in. Lean in to what he's speaking and yield to what he's speaking to you. You might get a very important rhema today. Come on, who wants a rhema from God today? Who wants to hear what God is speaking to you now, today? One more thing before we jump into Mark 11. A lot will be read and said today because we're going to read a whole chapter. Try not to be overwhelmed by it, okay? This is what you want to lean into ready what is God speaking to you today come on before we read can we lift our hands and say speak to me speak to me Jesus name all right Mark chapter 11 if you're tracing it is also found in Matthew 19 and 20 and Luke 16 and 18 are we ready to dive in Good. I'm glad Alex is ready. Are we all ready to dive in? Mark chapter 11, verse 1, as usual, reading from the Amplified because it helps us understand the Greek. All right. When they were nearing Jerusalem, at Bethpage and Bethany near the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately as you enter it, you will find a donkey's colt tied there, which has never been ridden by anyone. Untie it and bring it here if anyone asks you, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord needs it. Come on, somebody say, the Lord needs it. Lord and immediately he'll send it here. So they went away to the village and found a colt tied outside a, at a gate in the street, and they untied it. Some of the people who were standing there said to them, what are you doing untying that colt? Right? And they replied, just as Jesus directed. What did he tell them to, what did he tell them to say? The Lord needs it. Right? I mean, does the Lord really need anything? We'll get to that, all right? But Jesus told them the Lord needs it, okay? And they allowed him to go. So they allowed him to take the little donkey, right? Last week, Pastor Dana taught us this, and this is a repeat, but it's a good one. Good disciples follow instructions, right? Good disciples follow Jesus' instructions. Instructions come on, turn to somebody and say, You got to stay in the word. See, it's in the word we're going to find the logos, right? We're going to find the understanding, we're going to find the instructions from Jesus. And when we do, it's very, a very good idea to actually follow the instructions that we find in the word of God. And when we do, something. Like we read here, often happens to us today, sometimes people are going to wonder, what in the world we're doing? Ever been there? They may even, the world sometimes ask, why are you doing this, right? Like they were just simply following Jesus' instructions by going and untying the coat. And th- sometimes this happens as we're obeying the words of Jesus, as we're living what we see in, in the gospel of Jesus Christ, as we're living counterculture, because how many of you know the truth goes counterculture these days? Come on, and it actually always has. The truth of the kingdom of God will always go against the grain of the world. And sometimes the world is going to ask, why are you doing this? Why are you untying that cult? Why are you living that way? Why are you talking that way? Why do you treat people differently? Why do you talk differently? Why do you have a different perspective on things? Why do you not do that? (laughs) Some of us have gotten that, right? And we're going to, the world is going to wonder, but Jesus doesn't need the world, or he doesn't even need us to understand why. What he needs, and as I said, needs, in order to be able to fulfill his will, his purpose in our life, the Lord needs our obedience. Now, God is sovereign, and he will fulfill his sovereign will. But in order for him to fulfill his purpose in my life, the Lord needs it. The Lord needs my obedience to follow his instructions if I want to truly be used to fulfill my full purpose that he has for me in life. Amen? Come on, somebody say, the Lord needs it. The Lord Lord simply looks for our obedience to his word, to his instructions. And then I love how it says, and they allowed him to go. (laughs) They allowed him to take the donkey. It, see, it's only through our obedience that we'll see his purposes fulfilled. And here's the Ramah I felt God speaking to me for us today. Some of us need to break a habit. And this is the habit. Rationalizing everything. Only obeying when we understand. I found as I follow Jesus now. 25 years that I oftentimes don't understand until I obey and we miss out on so much so many times on the purposes and the things that God wants to do in and through our life because we're waiting to understand or to like what he told us to actually do it and then we miss out But when we follow instructions and we obey, when we understand and when we don't understand, Jesus is able to fulfill his purposes and his plans through our life. So we need to break that habit of rationalizing everything and we need to form a new habit. Come on, tell somebody, you you need a new habit. And this is the new habit. Are you ready? This is the new habit. Trust Jesus enough to just obey. But make a habit out of it. Not just once or twice, but make a habit of, I just trust him enough to just obey. Yeah? All right. Anybody got a little rhema yet? Maybe that was a rhema for you. It was for me. Let's continue with the next verse. It says they brought the colt to Jesus and put their coats on it, and he sat on it. And many of the people spread their coats on the road as an act of tribute and homage before a new king. And others scattered a layer of leafy branches which they had cut from the fields, honoring him as Messiah. When they did this, they were proclaiming he's the Messiah. Come on, somebody. Say, make a way for the king. For the king. And those who went in front and those who were following him were shouting in joy and praise. Hosanna. Come on, say, Hosanna. Now, don't say that sad. Say it with joy. Hosanna. Save, I pray. Literally, it means save now, right? Blessed, praised, glorified is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Here's a little tidbit from that, but it's so powerful. I hope you get this today as a rhema. If not, at least get it as a Logos. At least understand it. Ready? Our obedience clears the way for the king to show up in the world. Because they went and got the little donkey that the Lord needed. Now the king entered Jerusalem and they recognized him as the king. When I obey King Jesus and I follow his instructions, I'm literally making a way for him to be revealed as the king. To all those who see. who wants to make a way for the king to come through your life? We just need to follow instructions. Amen. Let's keep going. Jesus entered Jerusalem and went to the temple enclosure. after looking at every, looking around at everything, he left. <laughs> he left. I bet the disciples were just ready for Jesus to get something done, right? But as he just looked around at everything, and then he left for Bethany with the 12 disciples because it was already late in the day. Again, a tiny little tidbit, but so powerful. Timing is important. Timing is important. And maybe this is a rammer for you today. Timing is important. We must trust. We must trust that God knows exactly when to act. Because we're about to read what he did the next day. <laughs> but timing was important, and timing is important. God knows when to act. And sometimes we think we know when God ought to act. I know I do. I know I think I know when God ought to step in. But he knows exactly when. So sometimes it, seems, it may seem like Jesus just just sort of looking around at everything and not doing anything yet. Just trust him. Because then we get the next one. And it isn't all that fun for a lot of people what he's about to do. But if we love him, it'll be fun for us. Are we ready? Yeah. Then, sorry, on the next day, when they had left Bethany, he was hungry. Remember that Jesus was son of God, but son of man. He was a man. He liked food, yeah. right? Yeah. He was hungry. In fact, if I, if I read it, If I I were to just emotionally interpret what's about to happen, Jesus was hangry. Because it says, seeing at a distance a fig tree and leaf, he went to see if he could find anything to eat. But he found nothing but leaves, for it wasn't the season for figs. So he said, no one will ever reap fruit from you again. And his disciples were listening to what he said. We'll circle back to this in just a few minutes. All right. We'll come back to this in just a few minutes because the story is sort of interrupted and then it keeps going. Ready for what's next? Then they came to Jerusalem, and he entered the temple grounds and began driving out with force the people who were selling and buying animals for sacrifice in the temple, in the temple area. Come on, I'm getting ahead of myself, but I feel like we need to say it now. Come on, I just want you to say it. The church is not a business. And it says, he overturned the tables of the money changers who were making a profit exchanging foreign money for temple coinage. And the seats of those who were selling doves. And he would not permit anyone to carry merchandise or household wares through the temple grounds. Listen, this is important. Using the temple area irreverently as a shortcut. We're going to camp out on this one for a few minutes. He began to teach and say to them, Isn't it written, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations? Not Walmart for all nations, not Amazon Prime for all nations, not whatever you need, not listen, not whatever you need to have some good religion for all nations. He said, My house is a house of prayer where people talk to me and commune with me and experience me and encounter me for everybody. That's what my house is supposed to be. But you've made it a robber's den. You've turned it into a robber's den. The chief priest, the chief what? Priest and scribes, the religious folks, heard this and began searching for a way to destroy him. For they were afraid of him. (laughs) Since the crowd was struck with astonishment at his teaching. Come on, say it again. The church is not a business. Turn to somebody and say, the church is God's house. It's not just our house, y'all. It's God's house. And again, I don't mean our physical building. This is just a place where we gather. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ is his house. I don't know about you, but in my house, what I say goes. And mainly what Liz says goes. Just ask her children. But, li- but I don't, I, listen, don't just hear that in the way we've always heard it. That the church is God's house. No. No. Ready? Say it. The church is God's house. It's His. It's His. We have the privilege of being that house, but it's His house. Money is important and necessary because that's the way the world works. Right? But when everything just becomes simple religious transactions, watch out. Because tables are going to fly. And the whip is going to come out. Jesus won't tolerate that. When we turn his church into just a business or just a searching for the right word. Just a a club, an organization. Come on, help. A self-help group. A place where we just kind of come and give and get. There's just transactions, right? Like I give and I get. And a lot of people don't give nothing, they just get, right? Woo! That is not the point of the message today, but if that was a rhema for you, hallelujah. But if it just becomes that... If it just becomes the place of religious transaction, Jesus is going to get furious. Because that is not what the church is supposed to be. Right? Money is important and necessary. But Jesus is always going to bring order to his house if that's all it's become. If all it's become is a place of religious transaction. We are his house. A lot of words in the New Testament to describe it. Dwelling. His dwelling place on the earth. His temple. His tent or tabernacle where he dwells on earth. His body. Whoa. What a privilege to be his body. Now that he has ascended back into the Father where he sits at the Father's right hand and all things are under his feet. Now on the earth filled with his very spirit. We're his body. How cool is that? Oh, but listen, we're not just the temple of the Lord. We're his temple. We're his. Here was the rhema for me, and it may be for some of us. Ready? Reverence. in God's presence is at an all-time low. Got awfully quiet, and there's a reason for that. Rever- say reverence. reverence. Reverence in God's presence to me seems to be at an all time low. But God is still the same God. <laughs> Listen, remember when they wanted to move the ark back to the city of David? And they were sort of, they didn't really know what they were doing, and they were just sort of nonchalantly bringing it back. And the oxen stumbled with the ark, and Uzzah reached out his hand and just sort of, oh he just steadied it. What happened? Uh, He he dropped dead. (laughs) I don't uh, hope that ever happens to any of us. But we, I think a lot of times we look and we think, oh, but now we're in the New Testament. Uh, the very Spirit of God now dwells among us. <laughs> he doesn't just come on a few people here and there like in the Old Covenant. Reverence for God's presence should be at an all-time high. Because, listen, in the last days I shall pour my Spirit out on all flesh young and old, sons and daughters. His spirit is more present on the earth than ever before. Yet it seems like, at least in Christian, uh, American, westernized Christianity, the presence of God is, is, is just sort of taken for granted. That's why when you go to a lot of churches, and I don't say this in any way c- critical, there's not a presence of God. He's not going to show up in a powerful way where he's not reverenced. Right? I feel like the more we reverence the presence, the more the presence gets present. He's going to show up where he's honored. Right? Come on, tell your neighbor. Reverence the presence. Now tell somebody else. Reverence the presence. You know, for the most part, for the most part, the fear of the Lord. All right, let's focus. We ready? For the most part, the fear of the Lord is missing from today's gospel message. Well, you better ask Ananias and Sapphira about that. Because, oh, it's Jesus, and it's the new covenant, and grace, and mercy, and love, and the river of God, and the joy. Woo! Shatalaba. Yes, all of that. And he's still the same God that struck Uzzah dead. And he's the same God who struck Ananias and Sapphira dead, and they were new covenant people. And Peter said, how dare you lie to the Holy Ghost? Like, how, who, what possessed you to think you could lie to the Spirit of God? You say, Pastor Hunter, why do you think that Reverence and the fear of the Lord is at an all-time low. I'll give you one word. Nonchalance. We just trapes in and out of the presence of God like it's nothing. And listen, please hear me out on this. Please don't, don't hear me. Th- I'm not saying this in a religious, pharisaical, legalistic, con- condemning way, okay? We come into church and to praise and worship, and we sit under the word of God, and, you know, we just, one, sometimes we're not listening. Two, we're on our phones, and we use the the Bibles on the phone. You ain't looking at your Bible. You're looking at Facebook. I'm not saying, hey, I went on Facebook to share our service for five seconds, right? I'm not saying that. Don't, don't mishear me on this. Um, but, but there's an attitude of just nonchalance often in the presence of God. Like, like, like we're at a baseball game or something. Listen. The one we stand before and, and cheer and shout and sing and bow and everything to. It's not Freddie Freeman, y'all. So who is that? Give me a give me a basketball player. It's not LeBron, y'all. How about a a football player? Odell something. Okay, Beckham. (laughs) This is not a concert. Look at me. This is not a concert, and I am not a motivational speaker. I hope I motivate you. But when we come together in the... Jesus said when we come together in his name, he said, I'll be there. (sighs) We better be careful how we behave in the presence of the Lord. You say, are you trying to scare us? Maybe a little. No, I'm not trying to scare anybody. I am not scared of God, but I definitely revere him, and I fear him in a healthy way. I don't want to displease him. I, I, I think sometimes we just forget who we're dealing with, and forget isn't even the best way to say it. I think sometimes we fail to remember Who we're dealing with, who God is. Now, listen joy and rejoicing and dancing and shouting and freedom, even, yeah, (laughs) and children. Who don't know that their their way to reverence isn't the same as ours, right? But there's even fun in God's presence. I mean, I had fun in praise and worship. Anybody have fun in praise and worship today? I had fun. I had fun. Some of y'all look like you were having fun trying to, to sing in Spanish. It's okay. It's actually godly to have joy and rejoicing and fun in the presence of the Lord. I mean, the river of God is full of joy, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost, right? While at the same time, we ought to remember that that same God is holy, holy, holy. Let's not be flippant and nonchalant. Come on, somebody say reverence the presence. All right, we camped out there for a little long uh, there for a little bit. Let's keep going. When evening came, and just imagine the disciples after they saw Jesus do that—they had never seen him do something like that. He had been healing the lepers and opening the blind eyes and feeding five thousand people, and all of a sudden, whoosh, you know, like. When evening came, Jesus and his disciples would leave the city. And in the morning, (laughs) just imagine, they might have thought Jesus was mad. First, they thought he was mad at the fig tree. (laughs) So now they come back to the poor old fig tree. And they were passing by. The disciples saw that fig tree. And it had withered away from the roots up. Now imagine. Like, I might want to follow a little bit farther behind tonight. (laughs) And remembering, Peter said to him, Rabbi, look. (laughs) The fig tree you curse has withered. And Jesus replied, have faith in God constantly. I assure you and most solemnly say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be lifted up and thrown into the sea. And doesn't doubt in his heart in God's unlimited power, but believes what he says is going to take place, it'll be done for him in accordance with God's will. Most important phrase there, right? Now listen, y'all, Jesus wasn't being mean to the tree. He wasn't. This is not about that. God didn't throw a temper tantrum, okay? He was using this on purpose to show his disciples the power of faith-filled words, okay? But very important, We're going to keep reading and getting more to this. It's very important not to misuse our faith. Okay. We we have to use our faith according to God's what? Will. Will. Let's keep reading. For this reason, I'm telling you, whatever you ask, whatever things you ask for in prayer, in accordance with God's will, Believe with confident trust that you have received them, and they'll be given to you. It's very important to note here. Are you ready for this? Jesus only said and did what he saw the Father and heard the Father saying and doing. That might have been a rhema enough right there. Jesus didn't use his faith just for anything. Right? Remember when he went to the pool of Bethesda? Or the, is that the, yeah, right? There were probably 900 sick people there. And he only went and healed one. Did Jesus not have faith to heal 900? No, he used his faith for what he heard the Father tell him to do. It was God's will. Jesus, if, as we read through the Gospels, you, you see a Jesus who's constantly getting away and hearing from God. He could hear the Father speak to him. He could see what the Father wanted to do, and that's what he did. So are you ready to pray? This was the rhema for me. To pray correctly, I must know God's will. If not, I'll pray nonsense. And God is not obliged to fulfill my nonsense. In fact, he won't. And then we blame him. You said I could pray for anything and you'd do it, and I prayed for that and you didn't do it. And God's like, I never said I'd do that. God didn't promise he'd back up our words. He promised to back up his word. God will only do what he said, not what we said. The power is when we get a hold of what he said and we say it too. See, that's why we got to be careful. There could be a whole sermon series on this, okay? But here's the short. God will not just grant our every wish because we make positive confessions. But he absolutely will without fail fulfill his word. What he said, he does. It might not be how I think or how I like it, or when I want it, but when God, what God says, He does. And if I get a hold, if I hear Him, come on say, Rama, if I can hear Him, not just what's written, But what he's speaking to me right now by his word, by his spirit. If I can hear what he's saying and I come into agreement with it and I confess it, that's where the power is in prayer. Listen, I don't pray for the sick hoping that maybe it might be God's will to heal somebody. I know it's God's will to heal. I already know. He already said it. Now... Does God always heal everybody in the room at the same time? No. But let me tell you something. Sometimes he's speaking it. Sometimes you'll be at Kroger. And God will say, the Holy Spirit will whisper, I want to heal that lady right now. I died for her. I took wounds on my back for her. Lay hands on her and heal her. And you do it. And he does it. Sometimes God will say, I want to provide for that. Y'all with me? And you say, God, you'll supply all my needs according to your riches and glory in Christ Jesus. I will prosper for every good work. I'm a tither. You're opening the windows of heaven and pouring out a blessing so great that it's too much for me to handle. And boom. But Christians get really weird. Sometimes we just misuse faith for what we want. And James said it, we don't have because we don't ask. And then we don't have because when we do ask, we ask for the wrong, with the wrong motives. That's why he says ask for wisdom. And what does the wisdom mean? The word wisdom means a listening ear. The ability to hear God. <laughs> Sometimes we don't get it because we don't ask. But sometimes we do ask, but we ask for the wrong reasons. We're asking for the wrong things because we lack wisdom, because we're not hearing. But when we hear him and we ask and we confess, we'll get it. We've got to learn how to hear him. That's the way we know God's will. Come on, say, I can hear God's voice. It's when we hear the Father's voice that we get supernatural results. It's when we hear him and we agree him and we repeat what he says, we get supernatural results. Amen? I can do all things through Christ. No, you can't. Come on, look, and I'm not contradicting the word of God. Look, that scripture, I can do all things through Christ, was all about being able to suffer and bear it and get through it. Come on everybody shout. I can, I can do all things through Christ. That doesn't mean you can uh, get a million dollars just cuz you want to. If that were the case I'd have several million. That doesn't just mean you can do whatever. Because by God, Jesus. I can do all things. I can pass this test without studying because I can do all things through Christ. I tried that. That was not his will. He didn't speak that to me. I spoke that. Careful. Careful how you use your faith. It needs to be according to God's will. And we find out God's will by hearing him like Jesus did. Amen. Yeah. All right. Let's keep going. We're getting we're more than halfway through. We're actually getting close to pretty close to the end here. Whenever you stand praying, ooh. All right. Ready? Whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, come on somebody say offense. offense. <laughs> Whenever you stand praying, If you're offended, I don't want to hear it. That's the paraphrased version. All right. Whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him. Drop the issue. Let it go. So that your Father who is in heaven will also forgive you of your transgressions and wrongdoings against him and others. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your transgressions. Say, so God needs me to forgive to be able to forgive me? No. You need to forgive to be able to receive forgiveness. The Father's already forgiven us through Christ. But I can't receive it if I'm holding offense in my heart. Come on, here was the Rhema that I heard the Holy Spirit speak to me. Unforgiveness blocks forgiveness. Forgiveness is there, but it's blocked because of unforgiveness because of holding on to a fence. It's like having a marvelous gift sitting on your front porch and refusing to unlock the front door to get it. Hello? I mean, imagine. There's a check for 10 million in a golden envelope Right at your doorstep. But I'm not unlocking the door for any reason. Call me, I'll come get it. <laughs> See, unforgiveness locks our hearts. God already forgave us in Christ, but when we refuse to get Refuse to forgive others. We forfeit the gift. We leave it out on the porch. <sighs> Come help me, baby. I can't, I can't receive if I withhold. Now, I am terrible at visual aids, so help me, Jesus, and help me, Liz. All right. Okay. Come on, I want you to say this. I can't receive if I withhold. Come on let's do this with our hands. I can't receive if I withhold. OK? I cannot receive forgiveness, even though it's available. If I hold, if I withhold forgiveness in my heart, I'm locked. OK? So come on and say it like this: I must let go if I want to let in. Come on, turn to somebody and say, you've got to let go if you want to let in. This delicious York peppermint patty represents God's wonderful gift of forgiveness. This a little bit less delicious, artificially colored and flavored candy corn pumpkin. (laughs) Which, by the way, I actually like. (laughs) When I read the ingredients, I'm like, how could I like that? But I like it. Okay. But but this represents this little little pumpkin that I'm holding on to represents offense. What happens to pumpkins after a while? They rot. Right. I'm gonna tell you, listen, unforgiveness will rot you on the inside. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be rotten. <laughs> Maybe spoiled rotten, but not rotten, right? <laughs> and, and, and Jesus, uh, uh, Liz, <laughs> represents the Father, represents Jesus, right? He's, there's forgiveness available. It's already, been, it's already been provided through Christ because Jesus went to the cross, and when he went to the cross, he carried our sins upon his own self. And when he died, he paid the price for our forgiveness, yes? And I can want it, but if I withhold, I can't, as much as I want it, I can't get it. Forgive me, Father, for I have sinned. Okay. Forgive that that person who said that about you. No, but I still want forgiveness. Right? Let go of what they did to you 13 years ago. I can't, Lord, but forgive me. Come on, make up. You don't need to make up a story. Think of your own. I'm not asking you to dwell on your offenses today, but offenses are inevitable. We're going to be offended. People are going to do stuff and hurt us, right? Remember, we offended the one who loves us the most. He loves us with a perfect, eternal, everlasting, unconditional love, and we turned our backs on him, yet there's forgiveness offered to us through the cross of Jesus Christ. So when God says, forgive, and I want to receive forgiveness, I say, okay, thank you very much, right? (laughs) Amen. Thank you. Here's the way, I literally hear the Holy Spirit saying this, I hear this is not in my notes. I hear him saying it right now. Some of you are trying to have both. And you wonder why you feel so guilty and condemned all the time. Ask the Holy Spirit to show you whom you need to forgive. What you need to let go of. Because you're not able to experience the Father's forgiveness for yourself and his acceptance of you because you're holding on to something or somebody. Somebody. Release that rotten pumpkin today yes. and eat that York and taste the sensation. <laughs> you can't have both. Final portion of the scripture and we are going to be, man, I, I'm going to try to sit back down because I just feel the presence of the Holy Spirit so strong. And I felt like what the Holy Spirit said today is he said, I'm going to move through my word. I'm going to move on my people. So we're just going to let him move, all right? Ready for the last portion of Mark 11? Okay. I know this is, this is longer than usual, but we're really trying to get through Mark, y'all. <laughs> all right. Ready? They came again to Jerusalem. I love this part. They came again to Jerusalem. Jerusalem. And as Jesus was walking in the courts and porches of the temple, the chief priests, the scribes and the elders, came to him and began saying to him, by what authority do you do these things? Or who gave you this authority to do these things? And Jesus said, hmm, I'm going to ask you a question. And you answer me. And then I'll tell you by what authority I do these things. Was the baptism of John the Baptist... Right. The baptism of repentance. We learned that from Mark one. Remember, was that baptism, the baptism of repentance, the water baptism from heaven that is ordained by God or from men? Just some man's idea. Answer me. Rhema, the Holy Spirit is asking some of us today, answer me. I told you something. Answer me. you with me? I told you something. You need to answer me. And they began discussing it with each other, saying, if we say from heaven, he'll say, then why didn't you believe him? Because remember, they had rejected. But if we say from men, well, they were afraid of to answer because of the crowd for everyone considered John to have been a real prophet. Hmm. So they replied to Jesus, we don't. And Jesus said, then I ain't telling you either. (laughs) Neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. If you can't obey in the small, make up your mind about the small things that you've been told, you'll never get bigger ones. Come on, here was the rhema for me. Big revelation follows small obedience. Only when we're humble enough to hear and believe and obey the simplest of things will we be trusted with bigger revelation from God. It's a lot of people out there looking for a big revelation, some sort of prophetic word. And Jesus is like, I already told you something. You hadn't even made your mind up about that yet. Why would I give you any more? Now, a little parenthesis. It is a trap to be worried so much about what other people think. And these guys hadn't even really totally made up their mind about the baptism of repentance. (laughs) And they were afraid to even say what they thought because of what other people thought. It's a trap. To care about what people think more than about what God thinks. Because this is is so important. We are each individually responsible for how we respond to God's word. Individually. You are not responsible for your brother, your sister, your friend, your husband, your wife, your son, your daughter, your co-worker. You're you're not responsible for how anybody else, but you are solely responsible for how you respond to his word. I am solely responsible individually for how I respond to what he's spoken to me through his word. heard the holy spirit say this this week and he said ask you you ready it's like wow this has been a whole lot remember what's god speaking to you (laughs) but this was for all of us okay this one was for all of us you want more from god come on and ask it and you got to answer jesus said answer me do you want more from god I'm going to say it a third time because I want to insist like Jesus, answer me. Not me, answer him. Do you want more from God? Make up your mind about what he already told you. Make up your mind to obey what he already said. To embrace what he already did. To follow the instructions he already gave you, to forgive who he already told you to forgive, to let go of what he already told you to let go of. Big comes after small, always. Now listen, I I really want to ask for reverence for the presence for the next few minutes. If we could avoid distractions, I want to ask the actually worship team, just go ahead and come up, guys, and it would be great if someone could help get this stuff off the stage. Worship team, go on, come back up. Wow, I feel his presence so strong right now. I don't even know if I need, I mean, some of you ought to already be here at the altar because of what the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. He wants to give you more, but he wants you to make up your mind about what he has been speaking to you. <laughs>